I will be forever the myth. You're the king of kings, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a pecking order. The little peckers never mess with the big peckers. So I'm a rooster, and he's a chicken. This episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast is brought to you by our Patreon donors. If you'd like to be a Patreon sponsor for the Bodybuilding Legends podcast, then just go to our website, bodybuildinglegendshow.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see the link to becoming a Patreon sponsor. All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast, where we talk to the legends of bodybuilding, and we also talk about the history of bodybuilding. I'm your host, John Hansen. And on today's show, we are going to have an interview with Mr. David Kinder. David has been around the bodybuilding scene for a long time. He is 86 years old, and Mark Martinez told me about David. And David actually saw Steve Reeves compete back in 1947 when Steve Reeves won the Pacific Coast title at the Embassy Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And this was about a month or so before uh, Steve won the Mr. America title that year. And then David also trained at the old Muscle Beach Dungeon with Dave Draper and Chet Yorton. And then he went over to uh, Vince's gym and trained at Vince's gym and met a lot of great bodybuilders there, including Larry Scott. So uh, David's got some great stories. So uh, Mark Martinez, the great director, of course, from Dream Big, the movie that just came out, Mark told me about David and said he might be a great guest for your show. So I got a hold of David this week and we had a good conversation. So David will be coming on the show in a minute. When we get done with the interview with David, I have a really rare interview with Arnold from We Magazine. This is all the way back from 1977. Our good friend Pat Comer sent it to me. And I've heard about this interview before. I heard it was a really controversial interview where Arnold was very open about sex and about drugs. And this was kind of in the period right before the movie Pumping Iron came out. And Arnold was, of course, pretty outrageous at the time. This is when he, you know, of course, in the movie Pumping Iron, he said the pump is better than coming. And uh, he was saying all kinds of things, I think, just to bring some attention to himself and also to the sport of bodybuilding. So, like I said, I've heard about this interview for many, many years, but I never got a chance to see it. So I thank you to Pat Comer for sending it to me. He saw it somewhere online and sent me the whole interview. So I'm going to read that interview with Arnold right after our interview with David Kinder is over. All right. What else is going on, guys? We didn't have a show last week, of course, because I could not find any guests. And the week before that, we had another show where I read some old magazines. Just been having some hard time finding some guests for the show lately. And we were going to have Diana Dennis on, the great female bodybuilder from the 1980s. She was also very popular as a couples competitor with her uh, partner at the time, Kevin Lawrence. And Diana and Kevin kind of were very innovative in the sport of couples competition. They were doing some really, really sensuous, great routines. So anyways, a friend of a friend knows Diana's current husband. So I was trying to get her on the show. I've been trying for a couple of weeks. So hopefully we can get her on for next week. But yeah, just having a hard time getting some people on. Still have not been able to get Phil Hill on. I might be able to get Rick Wayne on again. Rick said he might be interested in talking again. So maybe we can get Rick on for in part two of his interview. We did those interviews with Rick last year, and that was very popular. So hopefully we can get Rick back on. What else is going on? I've been still dieting. I want to get in shape for this summer. So the diet is continuing. 
course, when you get a little bit older, the fat comes off a little bit slower. So I've been uh, battling that, but I've been consistent. So I'm making small progress here and there. We've still got the uh, podcast going on every week called the Muscle Maturity Podcast, and that's on Old School Labs' YouTube channel. So if you guys want to check that out, it's getting a little more popular, I think. We're getting a little more attention. It's been on uh, almost a year now. I think we started last July. So we just had our 41st show. I also did an interview this last week with Ralph Romeo, who was in New York. And Ralph is a fitness guy, early 60s. And he contacted me, I think, from seeing me on the Muscle Maturity podcast. And he also had Jerry Branham on. So I will leave the link for both mine and Jerry's interview uh, right below in the description. If you guys want to check that out, that was a pretty good interview with Ralph. All right. I think that's all I've got, guys. Nothing really much going on lately. So here is our interview with Mr. David Kinder, where we're going to talk about some old school days of bodybuilding. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. And I have a very special guest with us today. His name is David Kinder. He is 86 years old. And David was around during the golden age of bodybuilding. He uh, got to train with Steve Reeves and Larry Scott and Chet Yorton. And uh, he trained at the original Muscle Beach, the dungeon, when it was around. So, uh, David, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you're actually, I, uh, let me say that I think I'm the, because I never took steroids. I never okay, took okay. steroids. Good and all you. those guys, David Draper took Dianabol. All yeah. those guys took steroids. Oh, yeah, I know. Actually, uh, when I was in the Navy in 1955, I caught smoking marijuana, and they actually, uh, on Stockton, California, I was taking uh, the Liberty ships. Henry Kaiser was built for the Second World War. Uh-huh. And they and I tried, uh, one of my teammates there, and, uh, and I was an electrician. Um, I, he, uh, I tried to turn him on, you know, marijuana. So he flinked on me. And uh, actually, he called uh, the authorities on me, and they took me into Treasure Island next to Alcatraz, and I was court-martialed. No kidding. Wow. For two years, I was. Uh, they took from, from Treasure Island to Camp Elliott, the brig. Damn. And uh, in, in Camp Elliott, there was a 1,000 people there. So you were you were in prison for two years just for smoking marijuana? That's right. Oh my god, <laughs> that is crazy. That was in 1955, you said. Yes. Wow. Were you were you in the navy or were you just working? Yeah, the navy. I was an electrician in the navy. Okay. Wow. And so, now, and it, it was called Camp Elliot. It was actually a barracks from the Second World War. But when I were, they took me down there. There was a thousand prisoners there. And they had four gun uh, gun turtles, tur- turtles, turrets, yeah, uh, on each corners, and they have searchlights. And there was a thousand guys there, and and, uh, and they and uh, so I I was assigned to the mess hall. I made uh, uh, um, salads for a thousand guys. I mean, actually, oh and they actually called me. They actually called a. Of uh, uh, our, our thousand guys, five times a day to uh, in terms of where we're still there. Of course, if you try to go over the fence, they shoot you. Yeah. And, and actually, I I I have they had a basketball court there, and they had weights. So I was working with weights in 1955, 
uh, at Camp Elliott. Wow. Okay. So I've been dealing with uh, and enjoying weights all my life. Was that the first time? Was that the first time you lifted weights? Was when you were in prison? Oh, no, nineteen fifty-two. Fifty-two. Okay. So that's where the, my Vic Tanny cards. Okay. And I okay. worked out by the way. I worked out with Bill Smith. You remember Bill Smith? Yeah, yeah. He just recently passed away. He was I know. Yeah. No, I, I, I should say ne- negative. I don't know. No, I worked out with him in the Vic Tannies, and I have to tell uh, you, yeah, because I knew him, and actually I knew his wife and what have you. And um, um, and he was six two. He was a very built, and he was a good armorer. I never armless. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he had a he had a great physique down, you know, for, right? for an, he had a great physique for an actor. He was no, really I know. George Maharis, Route sixty six was there. Okay. Sean Flynn, Earl Flynn's uh, son, was there. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, we had we had there was a Vic Tanny's uh, was a uh, an interesting part of my life. I actually, Vic Tanny trained me, and uh, and I was became a uh, not a manager but a uh, instructor at Vic Tanny's. And uh, remember, Poop Peter Lupus? Yeah, from Mission Impossible. Yeah. Yeah, he was the manager. Okay. Wow. So I, I I'm still I still can't believe you did two years in prison just for smoking a marijuana cigarette. Well, they gave me eventually they gave me one year. Oh, one year, okay. And they get and, and they my parents came to the the gate there. They give me a Bill Clinton suit and twenty five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't, I really didn't even realize. Uh, I guess yeah, marijuana was around back then in the fifties, right? Oh yeah, actually, my good friend Ron. Uh, um, we were smoking marijuana, and actually, um, I smoked marijuana in, in high school. Oh, you did? In, in high school, um, uh, I was smoking not marijuana, but cigarettes. Okay. Um, yeah. Camel cigarettes behind the gym. Homer Eaton was a general of Forest Division, and he comes through the doors, and he says, oh, Kinder, I got you. And he threw me out of high, uh, high school. Just for smoking, for smoking cigarettes. Yeah, camels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know, my website, I had, a, at that particular time, I had 32 chopped and channeled Ford, and uh, which I then took to uh, Tustin, California, and, and I, I went to a dance there, and coming back through the dance, I fell asleep and went through a farmer's fence, and I left <laughs> the car, and I sold the, the my car to for $20, I wish I on my website you can see my that car. Yeah, yeah. Now were you were you born in California, David? Yes, I was. Okay. What what now, part of California were you born in? Um Method Hospital, downtown LA. So my downtown grandfather, LA. my grandfather, David Leo Kinder, was born by the way, I'm Jewish. And is is a plus or minus? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my father my father was born in 1822. Okay. And uh, and he was born in, and he had three daughters, and he fought in the Crimean War against the Ottoman Empire in 1953. 1853. Okay. Wow. And and my father was born in 1897. Okay. And so he uh, he David Kinder had a three three uh, daughters. One of them came from. 
and moved to uh, Los Angeles and lived on 48th and uh, um, Normandy. Okay. And my father contacted her, him, or her, uh, and, and uh, came to California and became a real estate broker. Okay. Well, tell me about you. You got to see um, you got to see Steve Reeves compete in yeah. the 1940s, one month before he won the Mister America. So, tell me right. about that. Well, I, I, the only thing I just veered to the from for the balcony to see him winning the Mister America. Oh, you were at the Mister America too? No, I was not. That was in Chicago, oh. and then one month later. Okay, gotcha. Was not. So, but what was the what was the contest that, that, that you saw him win? Pacific Coast title. Pacific Coast. Now, I understand I said Don Haworth, I think, knows or is still alive. Yes. I used to work out with, with Don Haworth, by the way. Okay. Uh, Vinci Geronis. Don Peters. Yeah. Again, Larry Scott. Mm-hmm. And Don Haworth is still alive, isn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah, isn't he, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he knew Steve Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. So tell yeah. me about that. I mean, not many people got to see uh, Steve Reeves compete. So what was that like? How old were you when you saw that? I thought it was nine, but maybe ten. Okay. But the thing is, that's because him, it turned me on to weightlifting. Okay. Because of him. So I, um, actually, I, when I was an actor, I thought maybe I could something do something like him in terms oh, of really? uh, okay. sword and sandal pictures, what have you, that one of the pictures of Roy Dean and what have you, when I was tw- uh, 20th Century Fox, I think would be not necessarily Steve Reese, but I think it could be maybe something like that in getting something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I had actually a couple of movies touting. You can see my resume. Okay. Okay. So now Steve wasn't, Steve wasn't in movies yet then when you saw him, right? No. Now, 1947. 1947. Oh, 47. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what was, I'm interested to find out what the contests were like back then, because I heard the bodybuilding contest, did they have uh, any weightlifting beforehand? Because I know with the Mister America, they always had weightlifting before the contest. Yeah. No, and I'm not privy because I would never went. I never went to the contest, so I know they did. Yeah, but they didn't but have they any are... weightlifting at this contest, right? No. Okay. No, they didn't. But, I did don't they have any so. like? Um, did they have any special acts like? Uh, you know, my memory or... fails me. I don't okay. really remember. Yeah. Because uh, again, I was looking. From the balcony down to the, the, the uh, yeah. floor of the uh, auditorium. Was there a was there a lot of guys in the contest? Regular, you know, I I would say maybe fifteen or something like that. Fifteen, okay. I don't know. So how did how did Steve Reeves look when you saw him? I mean, I know you're only nine or ten years old, but what did you think of him? Amazing, football? amazing. Obviously, amazing. everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, the crowd. The crowd. He's the icon. The icon in terms of uh, what you have to look like. And I yeah. think, and some of the reason because I you've seen my pictures, I was never that bulky, because uh, all those guys were trying to be Steve Reeves. But if you look at Steve Reeves when he went to Hercules and all those sword and sandal pictures, he was not that big. No, 190, 200 pounds, and and so all those guys like I. By the way, I worked out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did you? Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, when Arnold came here in 1968, I was working at the at Gold's Gym in 1965. Wow. So wow. When, when he came here, 
uh, I was friendly with him, but I was not his training partner. Dave Draper was his training partner. Yeah. In fact, I remember I had to see Arnie uh, sanding someone else's boat in the Marina del Rey. He was just working as a, a maintenance guy. Oh, really? <laughs> he he was working working on a boat. Is that what you said? What? He was working on a boat. Yep, sanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Arnie, in terms of getting, you know, and all those guys took steroids. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. uh, that's and he's still alive. Obviously, as we know. Yeah. Uh, but all those guys, Chet Jordan, supposedly never took steroids. I remember Chet Jordan when he had a '63 Buick. And he went to Las Vegas and opened a studio there. Yeah. Because yeah. I trained with uh, Chet Jordan. Okay. And well, let, me, uh, let me back you up a little bit. So okay. um, after you saw Steve Reeves and then when you got a little bit older, you started working out and you went to, what did you go to first? Did you go to Vic Tanney's gym or did Vic you Tanny's. go to the original Muscle? 19, 1952. 1952. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, where was, where was that gym at? That was over on Wilshire Boulevard near La Brea. Okay. Now back then, actually, I, I actually that went had to be Bert, one of the Bert few Goodridge. gyms. That... I went to Bert Goodrich. He had a gym at Hollywood Boulevard. Bert Goodrich. You know, yeah, yeah. In 1939, as you know. And actually, I went to Bill Pearls when he had a gym over on Manchester. Bill Pearl had a gym there also. What year was that? Oh, the same years. I I think early fifties. I remember his gym was on Manchester. Okay. So, so you went to Vic Tanny's gym first, and that was 1952. Right. Okay. 1952. What was that gym like? Um, well, they, they actually, uh, and I knew Armitanny uh, also. Okay. Uh, it had chrome wheel weights. Not chrome the heavy weights. weights okay. Like when I was at the dungeon, um, um, there were those handmade weights. But yeah. Vic Tanny's had chrome weights. Like a health club type of thing. It was a health club. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, when, Again, did the, I, when did the dungeon start in Santa Monica? When did that start? 1960. 1960. In, in other words, they went in Muscle Beach. They, the city of Santa Monica threw them off the beach. Because the, the couple guys, I think either 57 or 59, they were kind of fooling on some young girls. And they said, you're out of here. Because I used to go to Dick Tanny, I actually go to Muscle Beach uh, when there was Muscle Beach uh, on the sand. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, I no, they had. I, they I, had I remember. I remember this one guy. Uh, I was watching him. Uh, they were trying. You know, big guys are trying to push. You know, military presses, women presses, and what have you. And I remember this one thin guy went to the platform and put this weight up in, and it's wow. Just a tiny little guy. <laughs> <laughs> how much so, how much weights did they have at the original Muscle Beach? Did they have like a whole gym there, or was it just some yeah. weight? They did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of handmade. Now, when did do you know when that started? Do you know when Muscle Beach started? Oh, Muscle Beach on the, the sand. Oh, that was you're talking about way in the maybe in the fifties or forties. I used okay. to go to the, the Venice. Here when they tore it down in 1947, then yeah. the POP was there, and then uh, Santa Monica Pier was there. Okay. And in Santa Monica, okay. that's when they had Muscle Beach on the sand there. So I they, remember. So they had Peggy. Remember Peggy Stockton? Yes. Yes. He she had a gym on Pico, which she had her own gym. No kidding. That's right. 
Oh wow! I, I remember. Didn't... I remember her gym. Huh? Yeah. Wow. I, so they I, had this. They had this Muscle Beach in yeah. the since the forties, and it was on the sand. Yeah. And uh, supposedly a couple of guys were hitting on young girls or doing something, yeah. and then the city of Santa Monica or, or Venice just shut them down. So that's when they yeah. started the dungeon, right? Well, they went to I think it was a surf ride for about a, a couple of months, and then they went to the dungeon, which is the old Vic Tannies, but it became empty. And so Vic Tannies went to from the dungeon, which I, you see you, the card you'll see it's Fourth and Broadway. Vic Tannies. They went to Wilshire Boulevard, then became an empty space. Oh, so yeah. wasn't wasn't the dungeon? At the beach, like underneath the, the pier or something? Oh, no. It was on oh, Fourth and Broadway. It was under a hotel. Oh, okay. Under a hotel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why they called it the dungeon, because it was below the That's hotel. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And it was, it, it was a fucking Fourth and Broadway, you said. I remember when uh, um, John Kennedy was killed. I was near the, the, the squat rack, and I said, oh, my God, John Kennedy was shot. That was 1963, right? Right, right. Actually, when I was, I used to go to State Beach. In other words, I used to go to Muscle Beach. And you heard Honest John? You ever hear Honest John? No. No, he was a, a head of Hamburg stand, uh, okay. just south of uh, Muscle Beach. Honest okay. John. And we used to go there. There's a wall there, and you'd get tan, what have you. But I used to go, mostly, I used to go to State Beach. That's where I met originally Brad Harris. And Larry Scott and everything. Chuck Pendleton. Chuck Pendleton. He was yeah. a, a school teacher. I used to, you know, bullshit with Chuck Pendleton and uh, Reg Lewis. Who used to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where the so when the when they moved to the dungeon, then that's where a lot of the guys went to, right? Right. Okay. What was that like? What was the dungeon like? He said that was more like a real. Well, gym, right? was, was very prominent there. He painted sweats. Um, again, Steve Martini, and I saw him, I thought it was 600 pounds, but it was like 480 pounds or something like that. Yeah. And Chuck yeah. Aarons was, he was very in front of Chuck Aarons. You know Chuck Aarons? Yeah, I remember Chuck Aarons, yeah. Mm -hmm. He worked at Bruce Connors over in Westwood. Okay. And these two guys are big guys. Yeah. And I remember going, the two guys, Steve and, uh, and Chuck Aarons going to a little car. <laughs> how do you get the, the little car <laughs> right. and from the dungeon we used to go to the Schwarzburg. it was a Swedish uh, across the street and then you get to you know uh, food and what have you so was, what was it called the Swedes it was, it was a Swedish uh, 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 I think it was the Schmorgesborg. Okay. it was okay. across the street and uh, we chow down and uh, the food there yeah yeah, okay. Yeah. So Dave Draper was at the dungeon as well? Yeah. Okay. How yeah. was Dave? Tell me a little bit about Dave. Did you get to know him? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. I, he was my, I trained with him. That's why he turned me on to uh, Joe Weider and okay. uh, Russ Damon to do those pictures and what have you. What did, how did, how did uh, Dave train? I heard Dave did like more like an instinctive style training where he just. Well, you know, we used to, the, one of the things that was, was Dick Sweet and myself and Dave. We do a, 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 a press behind the neck. We took these two benches. Uh, they're blue with uh, yellow, I mean, red Nagaha. And one was on, on vertical and one was ver uh, horizontal. And we had a, a military press behind the neck. 
Okay. And uh, and uh, he was a an, an animal. He was really, really strong. How much was he doing? Do you remember? No, but uh, you know, we, you know, Olympic styles. You know, yeah, and what yeah. have you. Yeah. And he was young. He was actually, really young. Back then, actually, right? when I, I knew Dave Draper, when Ashley, uh, when uh, before he moved to Santa Cruz, uh, he had a house uh, in Marina del uh, the, uh, Marina del Rey up in the Blitz, mm-hmm. where they actually took his house for the uh, on the north runway, and he was building furniture from pieces of discarded and what have you. Yeah, yeah. And then he moved to Santa Cruz. So I was always going to go to Santa Cruz to see him, but I never did. Yeah. But I, but I was very, very close to him. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So were you guys training like six days a week and doing different body parts each day, or do you remember? Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, they had, uh, you know, the, the incline. You know, where you use the curls and what have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just they had again the makeshift uh, weights. Yeah, actually, on and the inside of the handle, they had globs of uh, welding, what have you. So when you're oh. using the weights, and you, eventually you had a callus on the top of your thumb <laughs> because right. the because of the uh, welding was yeah the welding yeah because right. they were all I don't know this before Joe Gould. Yeah, that was before before Gold's Gym, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because Joe Joe Gold's nineteen sixty five. Yeah, I heard I heard the reason why Joe Gold opened up Gold's Gym was because they really didn't have anywhere to train because they shut down they shut down the dungeon. They didn't shut down the dungeon, did they? No, no. Okay, the dungeon wanted to build another gym. Well, the dungeon actually went to uh, somewhere in, and then uh, obviously Joe Gold. Joe Gold built a gym there. Yeah. So was Joe Gold training with you guys too? Was he? But actually, you know, Joe Gold, when he sold a gym, he actually, it's a spray, what's his name? But they actually had the whole, he he came back and had two health cubs, one on Washington, yeah, I can't remember the name of it, and one was over Santa Monica. He actually came back and built two different different gyms. Yeah, well, he had World's Gym, right? Yeah, the World's Gym. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I trained both with the both gyms also. Now, where were you training with uh, Chet Yorton at? Was that at the dungeon or the was dungeon? That... Yeah. Okay. What yeah. what was Chet what was Chet Yorton like? Because he was a natural bodybuilder, right? He didn't take any. He, he said that I don't believe that. You don't believe it? Okay. No, <laughs> no, no. He had an accident, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and with his leg, you know, because he was he was kind of not crippled or anything like that. Was that was that way back then? He had that accident. Before that, yes. Okay. Wow. So, so, so he. So that accident happened when he was pretty young, then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a, he was a big, strong guy, right? Yes. Yeah. And again, I saw when he moved to Los. I believe when he bought a '63 Buick Riviera, and he moved to Las Vegas to start a gym. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he told me, but I don't know if it is true or what have you. You know, because I didn't see him anymore. Yeah, I know he moved to Las Vegas. Yeah. 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 So, so you got to train with Dave Draper. You got to train with uh, Chet Yorton. Yeah. Who, else, who else were you working out with back then at the dungeon? Other people. I can't remember. <laughs> Peter West. And I was thinking, who else? Zabo. Oh, Zabo. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I tried to, I, you know, 
I remember once I, I, I became when I was when in real estate, I tried to sell sell Zabo a piece of land. Yeah. And uh, and he says, no, no, I'm not going to buy this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you were you were you were selling real estate way back then, huh? In yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now yeah. selling um, Don. I worked uh, for with Don Adams selling pieces of land in Northern California. No kidding. Piece um, land. It was just worthless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no I sold in <laughs> sold in city too. Um, land too. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Was that was that pretty uh pretty good lucrative profession back then? Uh, real estate back then. No, I, I no. try to make a living. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I didn't have any. Uh, I actually, um, when I got out of the Navy in 1955, my father, my father was a good guy, and he got me to Woodbury College as my brother. My brother actually uh, became a kind of famous psychologist, Beverly Hills psychologist. Oh, no kidding. Bill Kender. And exactly. uh, you can Google him. And, um, and we both uh, went to Woodbury College. And I studied account accounting, accounting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I worked part time at the home sew shop on on La Cienega, and that's where Don Rickles started out there. No kidding! Wow. Yeah. You got to saw Don Rickles when he was just starting then. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. In, in fact, I saw him in Las Vegas, and he, and he, uh, through the stage, he said, "David, cart, go out and park those cars." <laughs> so when did you go to um when did you go to vince's gym david i think it was 69 69 okay yeah. great so remember, that was uh, remember larry parks and i'm thinking about oh robert name? robert blake yeah. yeah i i remember having um at, at, at vince's we we had a a, a, a run-in He's not a big guy. He was not a big guy. You know, he killed his wife. Yeah, yeah. And I talked to someone uh, when I was in real estate uh, where he lived uh, not too far Virginia, and she said he, he, she, he killed his dog, her, his dog, her dog. And so I... Um, so what, was he, what was he like back then when you saw him when he was younger? He was a nasty guy. A nasty guy. That's what I heard. And so yeah. I remember, I think it was a public studio. They had a uh, something that was in Republic Studios, and I went to Republic Studios, and I ran into um, um, Robert, Robert, Robert Blake, right? Yeah, and I said, "You remember we had that dog?" He said, "Oh yeah," and he was going to threaten me again. <laughs> <laughs> what did What did you have an argument about? The weights. The weights. I, I was, there was uh, some dumbbells and everything. I wanted to use it, and he was a uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did an interview with um, I did an interview with Rick Wayne, who used to write for Joe Weider's magazine. Oh, okay. And Rick used to train at Vince's, and he said nobody liked uh, Robert Blake. He said nobody, everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, he was a nasty guy. Yeah, he was not a big guy too. Right, but he right. Was, yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. five eight or something like that. Right, right. So you and got actually see- Larry Park was a black blackballed. Larry Parks did the uh, Al Jolson story. He was an actor. Oh, Larry Parks. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got to see Larry Scott when he was younger, right? Before he won the Mystery. Yeah, I actually first saw him at State Beach when before he even worked out. Wow. No kidding. And then I used to talk to him all the time. I think he was a Mormon when he moved to uh, uh, back to oh. Utah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but, uh, because he oh, worked worked out at uh, at Vince's. Okay. But I remember one when, when I was state when uh, when uh, when I was at State Beach, um, I um, uh, I saw Larry Scott before he started working out. He was a small okay. little guy, skinny, right? Yeah. Yeah, skinny. Yeah, didn't have anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, how did he look when he was working out at Vince's? Did was he starting to develop by then? Yeah. Okay. How did you get to see And actually, uh, we, I used to go to St. Beach, uh, the, uh, not the, um, there was a, um, there was a, um, a, a heads, and there was a rest, restroom, what have you, and I used to hang out uh, uh, next to the bench there, and that's where I met, uh, you know, Rich Lewis and every, and I used to run from the State Beach down to Santa Monica Pier, and back, yeah, yeah, okay. I remember okay. one time, and I saw uh, actually um, um, uh, it was Peter Lawford's it became uh, Peter Lawford's house on Pacific Coast Heidel uh, Highway, and I yeah. saw the whole group of people. I said, "Well, wow!" I went over to the fence there, and who was there? Frank Sinatra. Wow. Uh, and and, and uh, John Kennedy. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. Yeah. What, what year was that? Oh, Early 60s? 60s, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I used to run from State Beach to the uh, Santa Monica Pier back, I think it was two miles each way. Okay, wow. Yeah. So what was uh, Larry Scott like when he was working out at Vince's? Tell me a little bit about that. Like the early I days, can't. I, I, I would like to say it, but I just can't. I, I can't okay. recall it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm 86. Yeah, how did he look? Like, how, did, how did Larry look? Well, he, he you know, he's had look, you know, he's not a big guy, and he's right. not, he didn't have white shoulders, but he yeah. had he had the biceps, yeah, and then, yeah. and, and, and you know, the uh, the incline. Uh, bench that he Preacher. developed that, yeah, mm -hmm. because of in terms of the, your biceps, right, right. Yeah, so he had big biceps. Yeah, but you always always thought about that. Again, he was not wide, didn't have uh, white a lot of width, width. Right, right. He had biceps, and yeah. that was, as you know. And and again, Vince Ronda, he smoked a cigar, and if he didn't, you like if you didn't like he didn't you if he didn't you like you. He wouldn't like train his gym. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, he was a. I wouldn't say he was a nasty guy. Yeah. He was, yeah. You know, I don't know if he lived above that when he built that gym. I don't know if he lived. Above, okay. Uh, yeah. But he he liked you though. You got along with him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I came from the dungeon. He respected. Oh me. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I was a, not a contest, and I never had a contest. But because I belonged to, uh, I knew all those people. The original dungeon, yeah. Yeah. So what what was Vince like? Did you ever see? You saw him. I'm guessing at the gym all the time, right? Yeah, he was yeah. at the, the desk there, and again, he he's, he had a smoky. He smoked cigars in the gym. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny>. he <laughs> did. <laughs> did you ever see him yelling at people? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, he's, I wouldn't say he was a nasty guy, he was not a friendly, I don't know if he's a friendly guy or not, 
Yeah, I heard he was very particular. If he liked yeah, you, sure. if he yeah. liked you, you're okay. I, mean, I guess he gave everybody he, a hard time, though, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. Again, yeah. And if, if you could, like the, if you could huh? take it, you were okay. But if you got yeah. to talk about it, then he, so he wouldn't. Be. And yeah, he wouldn't let you train in his gym. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, I hear yeah. I hear all these stories about those old time gym owners, and that's how they were. They, if they didn't like yeah. you, they kick you out of the gym. You know. Yeah. Not like it is today. But yeah, I tried to. I trained. I trained one time at Bert Goodrich's in, in Hollywood Boulevard, or Sunset Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. You know, Bert Goodrich was in 1939, Mr. America. First Mr. America, yeah. Yeah, and he had a gym. Okay. Yeah. How was that gym? I don't remember. I remember training <laughs> one time. Yeah. But I didn't. I guess I didn't like it because I didn't join it. Didn't stay there, right? Yeah. Yeah. What other uh, What other guys do you remember from those days? You said uh, you saw some uh, actors too, right, at Vince's gym. Uh. Well, skin Clint Eastwood came. Clint Eastwood, wow, no kidding. Well, because he lived around the corner in oh, a farm building on okay. Arch. Okay. Yeah. So he he trained there, yes. And it was unusual back then for actors to work out, right? I mean, most actors didn't work out with weights. Well, no, they did. Yeah. And, uh, but. Um, yeah, they didn't. But 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 when again, I, I worked out with Peter Lupus and uh, Bill Smith and all. These were actors. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, how did, uh, how did Vince, those Edwards, ben, Vince Edwards would did Ben Casey? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, I, I, we were, I used to talk to him all the time, mm-hmm. and he was down and out. Actually, my my sister, my older sister, went out with him. No kidding. Oh. Yeah. And and uh, he, he tried to put the makeup on my sister. <laughs> but I remember and next to the mirrors, uh, and he said, you know, I said, David, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, 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 I have no money. Really? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I how, did, uh, how, how did Clint Eastwood work out? Did you ever see him work out? No. Oh, you did? No, oh. no I just, uh, he, he he popped into the gym, and I knew that he worked out there, but I never saw him. Never saw him work out there. Okay. Yeah. How about Bill Smith? How did he work out? Because he had a great physique. Yeah, he did. He, he, um, yeah, he worked out at Vic Tanish with me. Okay. And he had a great physique. And uh, um, you could see that he was really strong. Actually, I worked out to Bill. You ever hear, hear Bill Tunberg? Mm, I don't think so. No. Yeah, he worked out there also. Okay. He, and he, um, I guess he, uh, Bill Smith. Um, I just remember that one machine that he used all the time. Uh, uh, it was like a squat rack, but it's not a squat rack. I think he did military presses and what have you on that okay. machine. Okay. Yeah. But again, Big Tanny said, chrome weights and m- m- more. That's before um, Nautilus came up in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Tumberg was doing, he's an artist right now, listening on Rose in Venice. I oh, no kidding. And he was 6'2", uh, 6'1", six six and he was an animal. He would do um, 200 pounds curls or, or more, so what have you. Yeah. He was pretty strong, but he's still alive. Is Bill he? Tumberg. Yeah, he, he, was, was, a, he was an actor, too? No, 
He's oh, not he's an actor. Out the gym. Okay. Became an a, artist. He's a very famous artist. Yeah. Did you see Bill Smith at Vince's gym or at uh, Vic Tanny's? Vic Tanny's. Oh, Vic Tanny's. Okay. Yeah. Because I think he used to work out at Vince's too, didn't he? I don't. Yeah. No? I, I don't know. I didn't. Okay. I never saw him there at Vince's. I just okay. remember going to Vic Tanny's, and I remember um, when he was living in Laurel Canyon with his French wife. Okay. You know, he, he spoke six languages. Did he really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he was very, yeah. Hmm. Pretty smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. He was a great actor. I love, I love watching him in the movies. Yeah. He, you know, he played a lot, a lot of heavies. So you saw Arnold when he first moved to America then in 1968. Right. 1968. Okay. How did he look? Well, um, early on, uh, it was not like, because he was doing, you know, steroids and everything obviously yeah. mm-hmm. uh did he look he looked like not what he became yeah 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 just kind of big and bulky huh yeah bulky but but i have to tell you he was very charismatic uh yeah when he, came, yeah, he, he had a great personality yeah always yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned the you mentioned the steroids, David, and uh, so how prevalent were they back then? Were a lot of people using them, or that's when they started? That's when they started again. I I knew that Dave Draper was taking Dianabol. Yeah, and that's when uh, and I because I was caught with marijuana and illegally, I didn't want to take Dianabol or anything like that, and that's why I never. And that's why I'm still alive. <laughs> All right. those guys are dead. Yeah. So were a lot of people taking them or were they kind of experimenting with them back then? They're experimental. Okay. Yeah. And they were just basically taking Dianabol, right? At first. Dianabol, yes. Yeah. Okay. That was the first one that came around. Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. And actually, Dave Draper admitted to me because he wanted me to take Dianabol. I said, I'm not going to do that. Hmm. Yeah. 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 How, how much were they taking? Were they just taking like a couple pills a day? I don't know though. I no? mean, okay. privy. In other words, I, I they didn't tell me. Okay. They just told me what they took. Yeah. Well, you could tell the guys that were on it and the guys that weren't, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. All those guys. You, they, you know, the funny thing is, uh, when you think of Steve Reeves and what have you, did he take uh, steroids or maybe testosterone? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But yeah. he didn't take yeah. steroids, but uh, Danbo or anything like that. Yeah, and actually, you look at those movies, uh, uh, Hercules. You know, he was not. He didn't train at the, when he was doing those movies. He was not the big guy. He right. had big legs and everything like that. Right. But he was not that that big. Yeah. So when you, all these guys are taking steroids and they want to be in the movies, none of them except maybe Rich Clark did some movies. Yeah. Mo- yeah. All those people got too gargantuan. They're too. No, it's not attractive. Right, right. Even now, it's not attractive. Uh, all those guys, all those contests, they're not going to get any uh, acting gigs or anything no, like that. No, Forget I, about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Steve Reeves, I think, to, even today, all these years later, he's still regarded as, like, the ideal physique, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing when you figure that was, like, what, 60, 70 years ago in the 1940s. I mean, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah, but he died in, and he was 74. Yeah, he died really young. I was surprised. I know. Yeah, he had cancer, right? I think so. Right. Yeah, he had he had uh, 
he raised Morgan horses over in yeah. Valley Center and what have you. Yeah, I was surprised he died only in his 70s. I thought he would live to be a 74, yeah. Yeah, I thought he would live to be like in his 90s, like Bill Well, Pearl. I'm 86, and I, I'm trying to make it to 100. Yeah, yeah. You and, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do. You don't, you don't sound old at all. I mean, you, you speak yeah. very well. You look good, you know. So you, yeah. you know, I wouldn't think you were 86 at all if I had to guess. Well, I, actually, I have an agent. Um, I'm trying to get a little bit more buff right now. I have an agent. I'm not going to mention my agent. He uh-huh. saw me about two months ago. And uh, if you look my website, you'll see my acting ability. He wants me some uh, shots of doing uh, scenes and what have you. Yeah. It's on my website. And uh, I, I have to do that. And, and he's going to maybe tout me as an actor now. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah, there's always roles open, right? And for any age. Well, I don't know. My age, I don't know. Well, they, you know, there's older people in movies, too. So, I mean, you need I, yeah. you, need, you need somebody to play them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so how many movies did you do, David? It's when you were younger? Resume. Now, you, as, as my resume right here. Okay. Like about how many? I don't know. This is like here. Wow, no kidding. What What age did you start acting? Well, in the 50s. In the 50s, okay. Yeah. But a lot of these are not... These are some some of them are student films and everything like that. Okay, okay. But I trained with uh, Sandy Meisner, Lee Strasberg, Laura. Oh, Rose. really? No kidding. No, no. I trained. I, my resume shows all these people that I trained with. Oh, I went okay. to New York and uh, and uh, trained with some of the people in New York. And you had some photos. You had some photos taken by Russ Warner, right? Right. Okay. And and, and the Nike base there. And those pictures uh, from Russ Warner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Did you get to know Joe Weider at all? What? Did you get to know yeah. Joe Weider? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know him, but, you know, yeah. Because he, Dave Draper turned me on to Joe Weider. Okay. And Joe Weider turned me on to Russ Warner to take pictures. Oh, did he? Okay. Because, yeah. I, was, because yeah. I was a good-looking guy, in my opinion. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they were going to use me in some okay. way. Yeah, yeah. But now, was Joe, was Joe Weider out in California at the time, or is he still in? Yeah, there? Ben, yeah, Joe Weider and Ben Weider. Yeah. Okay, all right. It was it Betty? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow. How did you feel when uh, Dave passed away? Were you still in touch with him as he got older? Or? No, no, he moved oh, to Santa okay. Cruz when he passed away, and he moved. He he bought uh, or made two gyms in Santa Cruz. Right. And I, and uh, at one time, I was going to go through. To go to San Francisco, occasionally I did. Uh, yeah, I was going to yeah. see him, but I didn't. I yeah. kind of regret that. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, his wife. Uh, I'd like to contact her because I actually, you know, I, I worked out with your husband. Do you yeah, remember yeah, that? Yeah, you should. You know, yeah, I'm sure he. Because you know, Dick Sweet, myself, and Dave Draper were a, a, a combo. Yeah. She yeah. probably loved it. Love to hear the stories. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, because I'm still around. Yeah. What do you think about bodybuilding today? Do you follow how it, how it's progressed? You see no, the- not really. No, not really. Okay. No, I was actually into. Hmm, I was into health, to be honest and say, honest. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really into health, not necessarily bodybuilding. Yeah. I, I they they don't. 
there's nothing appealing uh, bodybuilding right now to getting uh, tearing steroids and yeah and, and it's not appealing yeah so I so I never went to a contest I never participated actually you know who Joe Wheatley or Wheatley is yes <laughs> yeah he used to run he the show Muscle Beach yeah yeah they're going to have a contest I was going to actually in oh really twenty yeah. I talked to him. I I, I paid my money uh, a couple of years ago, and I've been, I, I talked to him uh, uh, recently. Uh, I was going to go to the contest May 29th. Must the contest. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I said no, Joe. He knows of me, and I said no. I want to be a special attraction. I, I'm not going to compete. <laughs> I don't want to lose. <laughs> but you know, he told me. There's a couple of people that are in 70s, but nobody is 86. No, no, you don't see that anymore. Yeah. So you're still working out now, right? Yeah, in my home gym right below me. I've been in this house for um, for, uh, 40 years, so I have a home gym. What's your What's your workout routine like? It's interesting. Well, I have different uh, bands, and uh, I have a week okay. Joe Weider uh, band. Uh, you know, things that you know they. They sell, you know. Yeah, the back. I have incline, and uh, I have uh, uh, leg presses, and I just bought a uh, mm-hmm. uh, calf machine because I never oh, really? Yeah, great, great. So it was not Titan, but I have a calf machine. Yeah, and I just I just assembled it right now. But okay. I have all all the stuff, you know, just different stuff. How many days a week do you work out? Uh, five days. Five days, great. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I, I screwed up my shoulder a couple of days ago. And I said, "Oh my god!" Because I was doing when I'm doing uh, uh, presses on that show eater machine and everything, and I did other things or my biceps and everything. Mm-hmm. I said, "You know, I do. Uh, I, I work my delts, and I screwed up my my. I was in terrible pain in the last couple mm. of days. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When you get older, you know you." Oh yeah, you gotta be careful. Heavy weights, so, you know. My, you know, I've, you know, fifty pounds, and we're, I have all the dumbbell racks and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, but I think I think weightlifting is really important as you get older because it really keeps the muscles active. You know. Yeah. Well, you know the adage: if you don't use it, you lose it. You lose it, right? <laughs> well, you're living proof of that, David, because you look great. Well, I'm going to try to make it to a hundred. Yeah, I think I think you, you know, got a good shot. Is, can I make it to 110? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as you're healthy and, and you... No, no, but I, I, I'm going to be... There, there, actually, there's one guy, Jim Arrington. You know Jim Arrington? No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. I, no, no, he's I, not. Yeah. Uh-huh. No. yeah. He doesn't look that good. I look pretty good. I'm yeah. just going to take some pictures. Oh, but you, one of these pictures here... Is when I, you know, uh, you know, a couple months ago or a month ago, uh-huh. I, I, well, I'm going to take some pictures of myself, my bodybuilding, in terms of uh, uh, touting myself. Yeah, uh, my yeah. age, yeah. have you? Yeah. I, I, so I, I, I want, I want to be the oldest bodybuilder in the world. Okay. There's only one guy other than name uh, that I really know of is Jim Arrington. Yeah, and he's ninety. Is he ninety now? Wow, no yeah. kidding. Yeah, and a few years ago he was in his eighties, so I didn't realize he was already up to ninety. Yeah, he's ninety. Wow, yeah. ninety. Yeah, is he still competing? 
No, I don't think so. No? Okay. But he's still alive. Yeah, I saw him at Gold's Gym. I think it was in 2018. Okay. I, I did a short interview with him there. And I know he was in his 80s then, yeah. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, the thing is, when you get older, you know, you you, you try to keep the, mus the muscle mass. Yeah. Not getting wrinkles on your... your yeah. Brother, and he has, you know, a lot of wrinkles. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 Well, you look great, David. I'm, I'm glad you were able to join us on the show and uh, share some stories with us. Can you see this? Yeah, I'll, I, I can put those on the screen, too, so people okay. can see them for There's sure. There's two yeah. websites. It goes back to 19, uh, 1822 of my grandfather, and then the other David Kinder. You're going to see uh, the David Kinder. There's a little snippet of my acting ability and what have you. Okay. See if I'm a good actor or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wish you the, I wish you the best of luck with your acting. I hope you get some roles. I think that would be awesome. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I always believe that you know you should keep going no matter how old you are in life, right? Just keep moving forward, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing stopping you. Right. People retire. I'm not going to retire. Right. Right. Actually, I, I still have my real estate broker's license. I could. Yeah. Are you still doing that too? No, but I could. No, you still got it though. Yeah, if yeah. you want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could. Yeah. And my my wife is a real estate broker, so okay. I actually, uh, real estate market is a little tough right now because uh, the interest rates are high and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, I actually I have a good friend. I'm not going to mention his name. I was with him yesterday. Mm -hmm. He's actually worth two billion dollars. Wow, $2 yeah, million, man. He's my friend since 1953. Wow. So every uh, couple of weeks I go, he's doing two projects. So I was electrician, a carpenter, worked for a Sciar Construction Company mm -hmm. and as a carpenter. Uh, and it's interesting, um, as a carpenter, I worked for Acme Hardware in the 1950s. Okay. And um, when uh, I had... When they deliver the nails, Acme Hardware, La Brea, we had two sets of companies that delivered nails. One okay. was Lewis Steel on a rectangular box, 100 pounds, and I had to take that 100 pounds and stack it into the warehouse. Another was from a, a semi coming from Japan. Okay. That was 100 pounds, but it was a keg. So I had to take that 100-pound keg and stack up three high. So Jeez. it kept in shape. Now, yeah. there's the Japanese nails. If it came from Japan, it was a, like a 16, uh, 16 penny nails. As a, And when I was a carpenter, I didn't like the Japanese nails because they, they, something, they, they didn't, uh, the formula to making uh, steel, they missed something there. Okay. If you didn't hit it on the head, it'll bend. Okay. Now, still, it would not do because of the American product. Yeah. But nobody were using most like not U.S. steel because it's more expensive. Hmm. So, I, so I, 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 as a carpenter, I had the uh, thing that in terms of working uh, with the Japanese nails of then – I worked out with myself with, uh, with the 100-pound kegs, and I had to lift them three high. To stack wow, them that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I, always, I, I was always into uh, physicality. Yeah, yeah. Well, it shows because you're still in fantastic shape. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on the show, David. Thank I you. I really appreciate stories. it. I really appreciate you. your interviewing me because I would like to um, be sort of known, whatever. Yeah. When as an actor, I'm going to top myself as uh, the oldest bodybuilding or what have you. Yeah. Maybe that's get awesome. some work and what have you. Yeah. Well, we wish you yeah. the best of luck. And I, I thank, thank you again for coming on the show and uh, sharing your story. I hope my information was kind of enlightening. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great to hear some of those old stories from uh, someone who was there. Because, like I said, there wasn't, I, too I was many people there. Around. wasn't too many people around who got to see Steve Reeves compete. You know what I mean? And then work out the original dungeon at Muscle yeah. Beach. That was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. All right, yeah. David. Well, it was great. It was great meeting John, you. John, it's nice, nice talking with you. Nice talking with you, too. Okay. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. I want to thank David Kinder for joining us on the show. Man, he sounds great, doesn't he? For 86 years old. David's got very, very good shape. Another perfect example of the benefits of bodybuilding as you get older. So I want to thank David for coming on the show. That was some really great stories. And thanks also to Mark Martinez for recommending David uh, to the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. All right, before I let you guys go, I'm going to read an article here. This comes from We Magazine, which back in the day, back in 1977, We Magazine had an excerpt of the book Pumping Iron. Because Charles Gaines mentioned that on our interview when we did when we interviewed uh, Charles Gaines about a couple of years ago, and Arnold did an interview with We Magazine as well, and this is from 1977. And as I mentioned, it's kind of really controversial article because Arnold was very open about having sex and about the drugs. So I'm going to read this interview right now and share it with you guys. I thought it was really a great interview, and it really shows how Arnold was, you know, 50 years ago, back in 1977. How crazy he was. I don't know who did the interview, but here we go. All right. We Magazine says, Arnold, you spent most of your life turning your body into a model of excellence. Why? What does having the world's greatest body mean to you? Well, it means that I'm somebody special. What drove me to become the world's greatest bodybuilder is no different from what drives other athletes to become great tennis players or boxers or jockeys. I didn't get into bodybuilding until I was 15. And at the time, my parents thought I was crazy to get deeply involved with something for which there was little precedent in Austria. They even thought of sending me to a psychiatrist. They couldn't see any future in the sport, but there I was lifting weights two or three hours every day. Did you have any idea that the bodybuilding would eventually bring you fame and fortune? No, not really. I was just locked into the idea of winning the world championship in bodybuilding. As time passed, I began to see it as a way out of Austria, an escape from the everyday life around me. I'd look out my parents' window and I'd see people talking over a cup of coffee for two hours or more, and I knew that wasn't for me. My father was the local police chief, and he led a very regular life. I became determined to make it without working from nine to five. Sports, I thought, was the only way to act out. But at the time, were there really any bodybuilders who were making a living from the sport? Well, there was a guy named Reg Park. He's an Englishman who now lives in Johannesburg, South Africa, and he was my idol. He was publicized in the Muscle Magazines as a businessman and movie star, and the combination of the two so impressed me that all I could think of was winning the Mr. Universe title the fastest way possible. The basic problem, though, was that the Americans had an enormous advantage. 
every Mr. Universe had come from America. And as it later turned out, I was the first one to break that pattern. Why were the Americans so successful? Was it a question of having more money? No, it was because the Americans had all the confidence. Theirs was a mental superiority, a feeling like they owned the title. But in Austria, the mentality was reverse. Winning against the Americans was unthinkable. By the time I was 15, though, I had a vision of absolutely wiping everybody off the stage. I had no idea, really, of what a stage even looked like, but I saw myself standing there, posing and winning. An epiphany? A dream? A dream, yes. Though not at night. It was just like having a vision. You know, like when you hear a person say, I saw Jesus and he talked to me and now I'm so happy with life because I know I'm going to be taken care of. And all of a sudden he's relaxed. He's not haunted anymore. Well, it was like that. When was this visionary sense of yourself confirmed? When I was 18 and still in the army, I entered the European bodybuilding championship and I won. It was my first competition. And even though it was the junior division, I instantly felt like King Kong as if I'd already won the Mr. Universe title, which in fact I did win a year later. The title itself wasn't so important to me as the lifestyle it brought with it. I was living in Munich at the time, hanging out with night people, entertainers, hookers, and bar owners, and I had a girlfriend who was a stripper. I was an innocent boy from a farm town, but I grew up fast in Munich. Then an American promoter wired me to come and compete in the States. Was your training affected by the drinking and screwing around? No, because having a good time is not nearly so damaging as people think. I'm constantly amazed when people ask me about discipline. Discipline is what you use when you don't want to do something, when you have to force yourself. So you lift five and six tons daily because you enjoy it? Yes, because I want to. Do you have to discipline yourself to have breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Of course not. And so discipline, the usual concept of it, doesn't apply here. I had to discipline myself to learn English, but never to train. You never had to push yourself? Absolutely not. At least not the way most people think. I love bodybuilding. I positively get off on it. When you lift weights, there's a certain point in the repetitions at which it really starts aching, where you can't go any further, and the body starts shaking, and you know you have to press one more time. That's where the satisfaction is, and going that one step further. That's why it gets painful. It's also what makes a champion. If you can't go through that pain period, that dead point, then competitively you won't make it. How do you deal with the pain? I look forward to it. And when it starts, I tell myself I have to go through this because damn few people can. It's like any other sport. You have to do what nobody else can do. And the only way is to push yourself past the limit. Do you have a training partner? Yes, he helps you through the pain periods. The relationship between the two of you is very close, closer than most marriages, in fact. And he has to understand when you're trying to chicken out, as well as when you really have to put the weights down, when you absolutely can't go on. He's looking after your body as if it were his own. Sometimes your body really gets bombed out. You try to go through this pain thing, but your body won't push the weight, and your partner will help you with his fingers just enough so that you can handle it. He'll stand behind you and lift with his fingers and make it possible, but just barely possible for you to make the lift. And then on the next repetition, maybe he'll help you a little bit more. With just his fingers on a bar? Just with his fingers, yes. Maybe he's lifting five pounds, maybe only a single pound, but it can make all the difference. What it means is that somebody is helping, paying attention, and really giving you his energy. It's all vibes. The two are you out to conquer, to win. The two of you become a unit. You're working and nobody can get into your territory. It's that type of thing. It sounds as if your relationship with your training partner is so close that you wouldn't have much energy left for other relationships. 
No, my training belongs to the gym, period. When I walk out, it's an absolutely different thing. I live with a woman for five years, a very smart lady who teaches English at a college in California. She finally split when I went into the film business, not because of the training. Still, you talk about the workouts as if they were taking place in a temple. Yes and no. There's often a point where you say, it's getting too intense here. Your partner might be a little scared of the next set because you've been pushing them too hard. So you crack a joke and go over to somebody else and bullshit a little. And then you talk them into it. The best example I can think of was one day when Franco Colombo walked into the gym, went down into a squat with 500 pounds on his shoulder, and he couldn't come back up. Someone had to lift the weight off. I reminded Franco that four people from New York were watching the great Franco Colombo, the world's strongest bodybuilder, crashing down under a mere 500 pounds. Franco, I told him, this is very embarrassing. There are a lot of people here watching, and they think that the muscle magazines are all bullshitting. He looked around and started breathing heavily, so I pushed it further. I bet him $20 in front of everybody that he couldn't do another repetition, and then offered an additional $50 if he could go on and do eight reps. Bullshit, he screamed. I did it a few weeks ago. I could do it again. Out the door he went, took a few deep breaths, and he came back to do 10 repetitions with the same weight. Not eight, but 10. Do you think his body changed? No, his body was the same. The power was the same, but he was motivated. He ripped the weight out and started going up and down as if there were no end, as if you were going to do 50 repetitions. Can you push yourself too far? I've torn pectoral muscles, fibers in my knee and my thighs. Once I had to have an operation to repair torn cartilage. Generally, you let muscles heal by themselves or get cortisone shots. Injuries happen when your mind is beyond your body, largely when you think you're King Kong and you lift weights heavier than the body can handle. At the same time, though, we generally manage to have a good time. Bodybuilders party a lot. And once in Golds, the gym in Venice, California, where all the top guys trained, there was a black girl who came out naked. Everybody jumped on her and took her upstairs where we all got together. A gangbang? Yes, but not everybody, just the guys who can fuck in front of other guys. Not everybody can do that. Some think they don't have a big enough cock so they can't get a heart on. Having chicks around is the kind of thing that breaks up the intense training. It gives you relief, and then afterward, you go back to the serious stuff. What do you think about when you look at yourself in the mirror? Does your body become something outside yourself, an object? It's outside of me and also part of me. I don't say, Arnold, how do you look? But rather, let's check out this body in the mirror and see what it looks like today. Professionally, I have to be detached in order to be critical of it. I don't criticize myself. I criticize my body. With the body as perfect as yours, it seems strange to hear you talk of criticizing it. From the bodybuilder's point of view, my physique was perfect when I won my last title. Yeah, I felt it could have been better. It's true that I was in perfect proportion, but I weighed 228 pounds and I wanted to be 240. Overall, just bigger. If you keep the proportions, bigger is always better. The goal is to carry the weight, but keep the proportion and symmetry. Does that mean that 300 pounds would be better than 240? No, because it wouldn't fit my height. I'm six foot two and 240 pounds is the perfect weight for me. Wouldn't your head be out of proportion if you weighed 240 pounds? No, visually that can be taken care of very easily. All you have to do is let the hair grow and you have a bigger head. Also in competition, the judges concentrate only on your physique. More than one Mr. Universe was an ugly son of a bitch. Is your cock disproportionate to the rest of you? Well, it depends on what you mean by disproportionate. My cock isn't a muscle, so it doesn't grow in relation to the shoulders, say, or the pectorals. You can't make it bigger through exercise, that's for sure. Besides, I've never heard of a bodybuilder who's tried to make his bigger. Really? 
Really? Though in my case, women have told me they're curious about its size. You know, outgoing chicks are just trying to be outrageous or horny. I hear all kinds of lines, including, oh, you're hurting me. You're so big. But it means nothing. Bodybuilders' cocks are the same size as everyone else's. Many people think that bodybuilders see their physique as an instrument for getting laid. Is that true? Are you asking if my basic motivation in building my body was to pick up girls? That's ridiculous. There are many easier ways to pick up girls, believe me. Of course, I do use what I have when it comes in handy. If nothing else, my body's a conversation piece. Are you embarrassed by that? Not at all. A girl can talk about my nose, my teeth, or my accent. Anything that gets a conversation going is fine with me. It's weird, though, the way women respond to my body. Maybe 50% respond positively right away, while another 25 or 30% need a while to adjust to my size and to realize that ordinarily my muscles are soft, just like anyone's, only bigger. A number of women, however, will say, you're way too big for me. I don't like that. What kind of women generally come on to you? I can't categorize them. I've been approached by waitresses, stewardesses, teachers. Come to think of it, there have been a great many teachers, women who are smart. Their trip is such a mental one that they're often attracted to men who are big and muscular. Do you feel exploited by such women? No, I feel used only if I didn't get something out of it. If a girl comes on strong and says, I really dig your body and I want to fuck the shit out of you, I just decide whether or not I like her. If I do take her home, I try to make sure I get just as much out of it as she does. The word exploited, therefore, wouldn't apply. Do you think your familiarity with your body gives you a sounder mind sexually? I don't have any sexual hangups, but I'm sure there are bodybuilders who have trouble with sex, and obviously the bodybuilding hasn't helped. Still, if you're in touch with your body, you certainly have an enormous sexual advantage. The mind-body connection is the same in sex as it is in training. If I tell myself to train the thighs, then the calves, it's boom, boom, mind thighs, mind calves, mind this, mind that. And it's the same with fucking, mind cock. You're in touch. You realize you have a body. 90% of the people, though, don't realize that there is anything below the head. They think that the head is carried around by something very mysterious, and they're not aware that it's the body, something they should be in tune with. Sterling Moss, the British race car champion, claimed that he'd never fucked the night before a race because it would sap his competitive drive. Does anything like that apply to bodybuilders, say, on the eve of the Mr. Olympia contest? Oh, I get laid on purpose. I can't sleep before a competition, and I'm up all night anyway. So instead of staring at the ceiling, I figure I might as well find somebody and fuck. Doesn't it take the edge off your performance? No, why should it? For 10 years, I've been building a physique. It's not going to run away after one night. What Moss and the others are talking about is a total mental thing. If you feel that something's going to affect your body, then it definitely will. I've always found that sex gives me a kind of calm, and I'm much more in control because of it. It's the same for friends of mine who are also top bodybuilders. The guys who are working their way up often say they have to sleep 10 hours a day and then try not to get laid more than three times a week. But sooner or later, most of them find out all this means shit. Whether you sleep two hours or 10, get laid a dozen times a week or not at all, eat three meals or five, at the end of the week, you, you look absolutely the same. There's no difference. So you believe in writing your own rules. Exactly. There are bodybuilders who are afraid of indulging in sex or even playing other sports for fear of harming their bodies. I think it's silly. What's the use of building your body if you don't use it? At the Mr. Olympia contest in 1972, we had girls backstage giving head, and then all of us went out and I won. It didn't bother me at all. In fact, I went out there feeling like King Kong. 
this business of feeling like King Kong, is it your act to psych everyone else out so that they know you're King Kong? In the past five or six years, I haven't had to do that, but I used to do all kinds of numbers in the gym just to make it clear that I was the best. Gold's Gym has produced 10 or 12 Mr. Americas, and obviously there were guys there who wanted to take the Mr. Universe title away from me. What I do is make them feel great. I tell the guy he's never looked better, that he looks brilliant, fantastic. You're deltoids, and how did you get the tan and the proportion? I'm positive that you'll place. You'll beat Frank. I think you'll even beat Corny. You can easily beat this guy and that guy. I'm certain you'll you'll go all the way to second place. Is there a code of do's or don'ts in a championship? Of course, but when you become a star, almost anything goes. It's like Ali doing something dirty in the ring. Not many people are going to take it too seriously. You're not supposed to talk while you're posing, for example, yet I used to do it all the time, and it would blow the other guys' minds. If we were going through the compulsory poses, a double bicep pose, I'd just turn to the guy next to me and say, what a shame, what a disadvantage for you. Or I'd psych him out in reverse by saying that the disadvantage was mine, and that he was definitely going to be the one to win. Once I even sent the guy off stage. He was enormous, really fantastic. And the audience was screaming for both of us. So you knew it was going to be close. After 15 minutes of posing, I told him I thought I had enough and that we ought to quit, just walk off. He agreed, turned around and left, and I just stayed on. The audience immediately turned against him and I won. My first Mr. Olympia title in 1970. What percentage of bodybuilders is gay? The percentage of gays is the same probably as anywhere. Most bodybuilders are straight, regular street guys, though a lot aren't serious. Many in California are punks, beach bums, just laying around in the sun and maybe collecting unemployment. Many people think bodybuilders eventually become muscle-bound. Is that true? The general definition of being muscle-bound is that you have so many muscles you can't move freely. I don't know of any bodybuilder in that category. In fact, many of them are quite active in other sports. Colombo, for instance, was the Italian boxing champion. Ken Waller was a football player, and Mike Katz played for the Jets. Robbie Robinson runs a 100-yard dash in 9.3 seconds. When the Russians were lifting weights in preparation for the Olympics, for the shot put, the hammer throw, and things like that, the Americans picked up on it immediately. Then there's the Russian master weightlifter, Alexiev. Do you know what speed it takes to do a snatch, to lift a 7- or 800-pound barbell so fast that you can raise it over your head? Alexiev can't run because he weighs 375 pounds, a weight he needs in order to handle the barbell. The Olympic decathlon champion, Bruce Jenner, is one of the world's best athletes. When training for the Olympics, he lifted weights for two hours daily, squatting with almost 500 pounds. The idea of a muscle-bound freak is nothing but a myth. Do you look at other people's bodies as objectively as you look at your own? No, I look at bodies differently in the gym than I do elsewhere. For example, many women seem to have hang-ups about going out with me because they feel they have to be in the same shape I am. If they're overweight, they're insecure because they don't understand that I don't look at women the same way I look at myself. I'm a competitive bodybuilder. I'm not training just to be healthy. 95% of the people training with weights are into this health thing, and it's a different mentality entirely. As far as I'm concerned, it's bullshit. Otherwise, I wouldn't drink. I make my protein drink with whiskey. People think I'm crazy, but that's the way I am. I get stoned. I do my own thing. Do you use dope? Yes, grass and hash, no hard drugs. But the point is, I do what I feel like doing. I'm not on a health kick. I know I should take vitamins, for example, but I forget half the time. I just can't be bothered carrying around a lot of little bottles. Once I get outside the gym, I forget all about bodybuilding. I can look at a chick who's a little out of shape, and if she turns me on, I won't hesitate to date her. If she's a good fuck, she can weigh 150 pounds. I don't care. 
Do you get freaked out about being such close contact with men at the gym? Not at all. When I was playing soccer at the age of 14, the first thing we'd do before going out in the field would be to climb up on one another's thighs and massage the legs. It was a regular thing. None of us had a thought of being gay. Absolutely not. And it's the same with most bodybuilders. Men shouldn't feel like shit just because they want to have a nice looking bodies. Another thing, recently I posed for a gay magazine, which caused much comment, but it doesn't bother me. Gay people are fighting the same kind of stereotyping that bodybuilders are. People have certain misconceptions about them just as they do about us. Well, I have absolutely no hangups about the bag business, I believe this says. Although it may bother some other bodybuilders, it doesn't affect me at all. Is there a broader acceptance of the body these days as an offshoot of the sexual revolution of the 60s? Yes, I've been in America for only eight years, but there's been a change and it's getting better. It's happening in Europe, too. People are more at ease with their bodies. Being at ease is one thing, but whatever pose possessed you to pose for the Whitney Museum? A woman from the New York Times had been doing a piece on bodybuilding. She came to the gym and asked if Corny and I would pose at the museum. I thought at once that it was a terrific idea. I always wanted to tell people that when I work on my body, I'm thinking about classical sculpture. So I jumped at the chance to show off bodybuilding as an art form. After the show, a lot of people came backstage and said it was fantastic, that they never thought of bodybuilding as art before. Didn't you feel like a pet monkey performing for the East Side Ladies? No, I felt great because I was the first athlete to be in a museum displaying his work of art, which just happened to be my physique. Overall, it was a great success. What does piss me off, though, is when people try to trick me into going into parties. You know, rich people in Beverly Hills who want to make the gossip columns. Now that you've retired from professional bodybuilding competition and you're concentrating on acting, don't you need the Hollywood publicity? If it's the kind of publicity I have to depend on, I'm a sad, sad case. I don't choose my friends for publicity purposes. John Voigt, Warren Beatty, Sylvester Stallone. I've gotten to know these people, and they're a lot of fun. Stallone's in the bodybuilding, and Jack Nicholson had a birthday party for me after we finished Stay Hungry. All my bodybuilder friends were there, really a mixed crowd. Actors, bodybuilders, weightlifters, karate guys, and writers. It was great. The other kind of party, though, where someone's trying to rip you off, no thanks. Are you serious about becoming a professional actor? Yes, I've been going to acting school, and I know what this is what I really want to do. At the moment, I'm looking for the right vehicles, and I pretty much know what I want. Do you know Hemingway, Hemingway's short story, The Killers? I'd like to do a remake, play the guy the two mobsters are after, the Swede. I realize there's only one Arnold in the world, and there's never been an Arnold before. The one thing that won't work on the screen is my being an ass kicker. If Robert De Niro kills in Taxi Driver, it's perfect because he's a little guy and people are 100% behind him. For me, that isn't the right kind of role because I'm big, and therefore I have to play the opposite kind of guy. When you build a career, you should never imitate anybody. If there's one thing I ought to do, it's the unexpected. Whether it's the killers or something else, I should probably play the victim. <laughs> All right, the end. So that is a wild interview that Arnold gave for We Magazine, and you could tell the guy who was interviewing him was really trying to get him to say some crazy things, asking about his sex life and his cock and, you know, drugs and all kinds of things. So, but Arnold, as usual, handled himself very well. So he did a great job. There's a couple of things I wanted to go over here, seeing as how this was all the way back in 1977. I think Arnold kind of tried to show that bodybuilders are regular people. That's why he said that, you know, they have sex and they drink whiskey and he gets high 
and he doesn't take vitamins and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some of these things were mentioned in Wendy Lee's book, Arnold, the Unauthorized Biography, like having the sex with the girl at Gold's Gym or having the girls backstage at the 1972 Olympia. All that stuff I remember was mentioned in Wendy Lee's book, and I never really knew where that came from. I liked his story about Franco squatting the 500 pounds. He's said that story several times. And it was weird. He said he's torn pectoral muscles. I didn't, I didn't know that. And of course, the thigh or the knee was when he fell off the posing platform. Oh, this was the part I thought was really interesting when he said that 240 pounds was his ideal weight. And when the guy asked him, does that mean 300 pounds would be better? And he said, no, because it wouldn't fit my height. I thought that was really interesting, especially when you look at bodybuilding today, where the guys are just trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger, no matter what their height is. Now you have guys that weigh almost 300 pounds that are much shorter than six foot two. And Arnold was saying 240 pounds was the perfect weight for me. So I thought that was very interesting. Part about growing his hair was weird, you know, so your head would be in more proportion with your body. That was a little weird. And I also like the part where he said that when you're number one, when you're the best, you can get away with things on stage. Like he was talking about Muhammad Ali. And of course, that came back in 1980 when he competed in the Mr. Olympia and he was doing all kinds of stuff on stage. And that's what everybody got mad about was that Arnold was not obeying the rules. He was not doing the poses and he was just basically making up his own rules. And I think that's why people were so mad. So yeah, very, very interesting article. I'm glad I got to finally read this. I've been looking for this article for a long time. In fact, last year I bought an old issue of We Magazine because it said Arnold was in it. And I thought that was the one, but it was just an excerpt of Pumping Iron. It wasn't this interview. So again, thanks to Pat Comer for sending it out to us. And also that last part, I remember he was trying to do this movie about called The Killers, which I, I don't believe that was ever made into a movie. And he was going to play the Swede. And he said he has to play the victim, which obviously is not something he did in his movie career where he's playing the Terminator. And that's the role that got him superstar status, of course. So very interesting. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. I will put the link, as I said, for the interviews I did. And I will also put the link for David Kinder's website. He has a website. He actually has two websites. So I will put that link on there as well. So if you guys want to check out more from David Kinder, you can do that as well. And thanks to David for joining us this week. And we will be back hopefully next week with another interview on the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. Until then, keep training hard, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.